that are empowered by the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit moves in your heart and not spirits or not alcohol or other things or some kind of psychedelic drugs and so forth. But it is the Holy Spirit who should have control of us in what we do, what we say, and how we act and for our morals and our doctrine. We must stick to the Word of God. The spiritual life necessitates separation, sanctification, holiness. We cannot serve God without holiness. We cannot serve God without sanctification, separation. It is necessary for each Christian to do so. Life on this earth is to be a spiritual life, not a carnal life for Christians. We're not home yet. When we're home, we're changed and everything's perfect, but we still live in a sin-cursed earth, and we need to be an example. We need to be a lighthouse. We need to be different than this world so that they can see the way to that narrow way that leads to life eternal. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, bless your word, bless your preaching. May things be said in such a way to touch our hearts. May your spirit work and have glory from it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. An overview of carnal and spiritual things is where I want to start off. While we're still in the book of Romans, chapter 8, there's verses I'd like to read, verses 5 through 8. Scripture has a sharp distinction in what is carnal and what is spiritual. And if we live by the word of God, it will be very visible in our life what is spiritual and what is carnal. So let's look in these verses, 5 through 8 of Romans chapter 8, starting in verse number 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit... For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Just getting from these verses here, we see some things we'll, we'll go into verse by verse. But can I emphasize the fact that too many times we, we get so wrapped up in worldly things, so wrapped up in what we want to, to satisfy our flesh, we forget that we are a spiritual being. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and we are his temple so that we can show forth what he wants us to show forth, that we can act the way he wants us to act, that we can be separated and sanctified in such a way that when people hear us, see us, and so forth, they know this is a Christian. A, a, a Christian that is saved and born again. It's a shame that we do not have a clear testimony. When I was young growing up, things were a lot different. Uh, in high school, there was no drugs in my high school, and even in Indianapolis, there was no drugs, but alcohol was terrible. In fact, our swimming team, four, t- four of them got killed coming back from a meet because they were drinking in high school. And that was it, and then drugs started coming in. And things started happening in that drug scene and so forth. And people were giving over their lives to other things. It started to capturing Christians too and, and other things and lifestyles that are so contrary to the word of God that before long, people didn't have a clear-cut view of the life of a Christian or what it should be. 
And even some preachers started watering down the gospel and watering down life. But Christians should still live a separated, sanctified life. It is in the Bible. In verse number 5, we see that the flesh breeds carnality. It is natural that the flesh wants to please itself. The flesh is in love with itself. The flesh wants to eat on everything that it wants to desire. And most of the things that it desires is not good for a Christian. And yet the spiritual, the spirit in us, the Holy Spirit, breeds that which is spirituality. So we need to be led by the Spirit, not our cravings, not our wants, not our desires, not what everybody says is fun, not even what other Christians may say is okay. As I said, when I was younger, we were careful when we were young about dating and so forth. In fact, we had an old saying when I was growing up, I don't smoke, drink, or chew, and I don't go with girls that do. That's, that's how separated we were. It, that's the way it was. And, and, and even though we joke and laugh about it, that, to me, because God called me to preach, that was sincere. Right. I, am, I am to be a preacher of the Word of God. I want to show forth the Word of God. Therefore, my life has to show the Word of God, or who would believe a preacher? And there's too many other preachers out there probably right now in some of the more liberal churches that you don't know where they stand on some things. Because they just so, can I say, meaty mouth about things. Stick to the Word of God. Let it burn into your heart. Let it burn out those things that are compromising and then steal you strong so that you can have that separated, sanctified life that means something. Not only to you, but those around that see you. In verse 6, a life led by carnality brings all that is associated with death. Death. We, we, we have so much in Christians' lives these days that are just rancor, just rotting. Because that's what they feed themselves on. There is hurt, destruction, sorrow, separation from the good life that is in Christ Jesus. But those are led by spiritual things. They're associated with life and peace, peace of the Holy Spirit and joy and comfort, good relationships, satisfaction and contentment. When you are standing by the Word of God and you can look at God and the Holy Spirit in your heart and you can say, I am content that I'm pleasing God in my life today. That is great success. That is great joy to know that. And then we also get into verse number 7 and 8. Carnal things and spiritual things is contrasted here. Carnal things, the life that you live. Some, some things in carnality is always against God. Cannot please Him. You cannot, you cannot please God by doing things in the flesh. Even, even if it wants to do good things. You cannot compromise your life and say, well, I'll do a bad, few bad things if it'll get me in a place where I can have influence over people with the good things. No, what'll happen, they'll see you as such a, a wishy-washy Christian or they will think you're so compromised they don't want to walk the same life that you want to walk. We have to take a stand in our own lives so that we can show the people the way that they need to go, especially when they become Christians. Not only that, but carnality and spirituality directs their glory in opposite directions. Spirituality directs it towards God, towards us on our knees, towards us being humble before God, bold before the world with the word, but humble before God. And then there is also carnality, which is the opposite of that. The carnal man and carnal actions will glorify the flesh, the self, and the world. Too many Christians want to enjoy the world and all the things that are in it, 
and still be a, a nominal Christian. There should be nothing nominal about us. There should be nothing nominal about our church. We should be a driving force to show forth Jesus Christ. And there should be a distinct difference between how we live and a nominal Christian lives. There should be a great way in how we talk compared to how a nominal Christian talks. There, there needs to be, and now I want to step on some toes here, there's got to be some things that what we consume. You know, it, it's, it's still wrong to smoke and drink and take drugs. It still is. Why, why do we hesitate to preach on it? It, it develops carnality, selfishness, pleasing myself, getting wrapped up in self and what I want. And it destroys your testimony for those that are really looking for the light. You just kind of dimmed it for all that are there. Spiritual things please God. The spiritual man and the spiritual walk will glorify God. It will strengthen the child of God and further the kingdom of God. And I, and I pray too that though I'm trying to be sometimes little mean-spirited, I'm not trying any shock therapy. I'm really not trying to do that. But I'm just trying to say, listen, we need to wake up and realize this world is getting worse, worse, faster than what we can control it as Christians, especially if we're not willing to take a stand spiritually and stand with the Word of God and act like a Christian should act and live like a Christian should live and talk like a Christian should talk and watch TV like a Christian should watch TV or in some places not watch TV. Boy, that's becoming a terrible thing. I, I could spend an hour. We used to do that, too, when I was young. We used to preach an hour on TV. Now I sit before an hour on TV and watch Perry Mason. I, I guess some of us need to backslide once in a while. I, I don't know about that. But I, I, cannot, I cannot even watch commercials on TV. I keep in my... When, when Betty and I watch TV, we, we, we try and watch some of the old stations, but we, when we watch... TV, well, first of all, see if it was made before 1948. <laughs> and then it may be a little bit safer to watch, you know, or, or listen to. But I keep the controller in my hand, and I have my finger on a special button on my TV controller. It's called Flash. And what it is, as soon as I hit that button, it immediately jumps to a different channel. And I always keep my finger on it so that while we're watching something, even commercials, if something comes in that is wrong, that is wrong to be in my eye gate, wrong to be in my ears, I'll hit that button as fast as I can. Did not even have it come by and influence me. We need to be careful as Christians. What we feed our brain, what we feed our heart. Well, I better get on because I don't want you to also die while, while we're here, die of starvation for breakfast tomorrow. But carnality, spirituality, it is different. The purpose of your life Christian, the purpose of your life is to glorify God. Amen. And you cannot glorify God when you glorify self or this world or any other cause. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, let me read verses 19 and 20. What, know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We talk about our bodies and stuff. It's not really ours. We are the habitation of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies is housing the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, we ourselves should glorify God in our bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. 
Whether there be, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you put in your mouth, whatever you put in your eyes, whatever you put in your ears, whatever you put in your touch should glorify God. And if it doesn't, there's a problem. We need to get some things set firm and solid. I'm a little bit slow with my outline these days, too. That has changed in the past 59 years. Sorry about that. Next, I want to talk about sanctification. The sanctification different, different than the flesh. Sanctification and the spiritual life, you know, involves some negatives. Separation. It involves some positives. That is separation, too. The separation or sanctification, there are some things that we need to separate from and then, of course, there is at the same time then those things which we should separate ourselves towards. The spiritual life demands of us some don'ts and some do's. There are some things that we don't do because we want to be spiritual and glorifying God. There are some things we should do because we want to be spiritual and glorify God. So there are some do's and don'ts. And uh, back, back in the day, too, when I was preaching, I don't hear too much about it now, except once in a while in my, when I was teaching, I would teach on it. Have you heard lately standards? Anybody say standards? I live by certain standards. Hey, listen, we have a standard, which is the banner of Christ that we should live by. And there are some standards that we should put before ourselves so we know where we stand and what we do. And we should also teach and preach that. There are convictions that we should have. There are some convictions that we should hold to. And they should not be convictions that are convenient for us, but they should be convictions that the Holy Spirit touched our heart with from the Word of God. Convictions, separation. Now, when I teach separation and teach that you should take a stand and earmark some things, that means when you get into the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit work in your heart to convict you of something, and when He convicts you of something in His Word, then you know that is not for me. Therefore, I know myself, and I know how maybe tempted I can get in certain things, or I know how easily it is for me to take a wrong step in certain areas. So what I do, I put a stake down here, and I name it, that's the limit. That's as far as I go in this area because I know it's too tough for me, or it's too scary for me, or I'm too tempted, and I put a stake there. So I have some stakes that show me where there are some places that I should not go near, should not go far into. Standards, convictions, we should still have them. Have them by the Word of God, have them by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I'll say this, I used to not, but I, I, I've compromised a little bit. Now cut that out of the video there. <laughs> it's hard for me to live your convictions because I don't know you and what troubles you have, and what tempts you. But I know what troubles I have. And I know what tempts me. And I know sometimes one step too far is too much. And I always plant my standard, my, my stake, a little bit on the inside of safety, that I don't go near it. I think we should still preach that today. Amen. Too many of us step too far, and we're in quicksand going down through it. Staying away from carnality, worldly things, things that are strictly guidelines or standards in our lives, we should make spiritual decisions on where we should be, where we should live. But I guarantee 
you'll not be living a life of conviction with guidelines if we allow Satan to trick us and think we're strong enough to conquer whatever he throws at us. It won't work. It won't work. The spiritual life involves separation, or what we call sanctification. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some of honor and some of to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. All of us are vessels for what God wants us to do, carry certain things, carry certain ideas, carry certain standards that we can show forth and be vessels of honor towards God, not contaminating ourselves. Uh, You know, this world is easy to contaminate us. Uh, When we were in Taiwan for so long, we went went there when it was still early. There was a lot of different things. We had to take like six or seven shots every year. The kids hated doing that, going to the doctor, getting that, had all kinds of diseases and stuff. Polio was still strong there. But one thing was, uh, I think, uh, did, did Morris Young mention betel nut in his preaching the other, other Sunday? The betel nut, that red juice spit all over the side of cars on the ground and everything. Just, But also, uh, when I first got there, we see these signs, don't spit here. And, and then I wonder, well, you know, when I was growing up, you know, men would sometimes spit. And sometimes some men would spit stuff that was kind of brownish. Um, when I left... Uh, Indiana, came here to college, we graduated. God uh, did some things to teach me a few things, to train me. First of all, I married a Texan. (laughs) And when the Lord led us to get into our first full-time ministry, guess where it was? Texas. Texas. Here this Hoosier, which I found out I wasn't really a Hoosier, I found out I was something else. They called it Yankee. But it had a terrible sound to it when they said it. And I had to learn a whole different language. I had to learn, I had to, learn to say, y'all, howdy, and 411 other different things. You know, I had to speak. I had to slow down. I was, I, I was used to speaking 90 miles an hour. When I would talk, sometimes people couldn't even understand what I was saying because I was going so fast. And when I got there, I had to learn to do the draw, you know, and... And as I'm speaking, let it flow and mellow and come out smooth, you know. We had, we had an, an elderly man. I was only, what, 25, 26 when we went to Paris. And uh, we had an elderly man by the name of Silas. And he said, Brother Paul, I think it's about time Paul and Silas got joined up again. And I said, yeah, what do you mean? He says, well, you, you go visiting stuff. Can I go with you? I said, well, Sure. So we would get our visit cards all planned out and get in the car and I would pick him up and we'd get to our first visit and I'd check the card, make sure it's the right address, shut the door, go around, and I'd be ready to knock on the door when Silas was just opening the door to get out of my car. <laughs> Walking up. I had to learn patience. I, I, I slowed down too. I slowed down too. And then I went to Taiwan and I thought Texans were slow. Over there, everything is manadzai. 
I think in Spanish it's called manana. If you want something done, you take it in, yeah, it'll be ready tomorrow. You go tomorrow, well, tomorrow. Well, I, tomorrow. Uh, just, just slowing down. And it was kind of hard. I had to slow down a little bit myself. Speaking about the different cultures that you find yourself in, sanctification is not living by other people's standards, by other people's way of doing things. It's living by God's standards, the way he wants you to live and do the things that he wants you to live. And you will, you will accomplish those things. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. Spiritual life and sanctification. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold, but of silver. And I pray that each member of Hillside Baptist Church strives to have vessels that are clean and vessels that are silver and gold. And where I was going with my illustration to link this back up, being older too, I paused and I had to take a little detour and get back to my train of thought again. I ran into something else new when I was in Paris too. We were out visiting, I was visiting quite regularly and just doing cold calls. Walk down the street and see somebody out on their porch and go up. And I was walking by and there's this elderly lady rocking on her front porch. And uh, I went up and said, I'm Paul Hilton from Ramsar Baptist Church. Uh, I saw you sitting up here. You mind if I just chat with you for a while? And, and I know she was getting a little uncomfortable, kind of squirming a little bit. And I started talking to her about the Lord and some different things. And, and then uh, I, I, I saw this little trickle down the side of her mouth. And I thought, oh, she's got a decay or something in her, in her mouth. I, listen, I, I was a sheltered boy in Indiana. And uh, she got very uneasy, and I was talking, and all of a sudden, she just leaned over and picked up a can and went, <laughs> I'd never seen a lady in snuff before, tobacco, chewing tobacco. That stuff is gross. Now, let's laugh again. What does God see when we are vessels that are contaminated with stuff that stink and smell and rotten and ugly? He wants us to be vessels that can be used for him. Amen. Separation from don'ts. Separation includes some things we don't do. When I got saved, there are some things you should not do anymore. Now, I was saved as a kid. I was 11, 12, right in that area. And so some would say, well, you, weren't, you didn't have much to change. Well, not, not really, because I was a good boy. But don't ask my sister that, but I, I was a good boy. <laughs> Honestly, it was. When I, when I got out of my bed and knelt down and asked the Lord to come into my heart and save me, I tried to think of every sin I'd ever committed. To try and I'd say, forgive me of that sin and that sin and that sin. And finally, I had to go after about five minutes and say, Lord, and everything else I can't remember, forgive me of that. You know? uh, I, I wanted to live for him. And therefore, it was kind of hard for me from time to time when I would see young people I was in young people's with and so forth, they'd do some things and run their lives. Run their lives for all possibilities. I, I don't know how many of my friends were called to preach. When the church I was called to preach in, there were two other guys that surrendered. Three of us preacher boys, so to speak. They tried to develop. I was the only one that stayed with it and continued preaching the word of God. 
The others, after a few years, fell in the world. And it's a terrible thing that we let our, our pots of gold and silver become tarnished and filthy so that we cannot be used of God anymore. What a shame that is. Things that pollute our mind and heart we should stay away from. 1 Peter chapter 1. Let me read verses 13 through 16. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Our God is a holy God, and I'm sure it breaks his heart to see some of the things that we disappoint him in. The Holy Spirit lives in us so that we can please God in all that we do. And it hurts, it grieves the Holy Spirit to be living in a temple that we sometimes allow to be contaminated. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasures of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart... His mouth speaketh. There are some things that pollute us. Our mouths do quite often. There are some things in our eye gate that pollute us. But things that pollute, we need to be careful of. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders. I'm not, I'm not finished yet. There's, look at this line of stuff, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. Of the which I tell you in time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What a shame that we as children of God subtly let things creep into our mind, into our hearts, into our thoughts, into our actions that pollute our own lives and pollute the house of God that is templed within us. In verse number 19 there in Galatians, talks about morality. This world needs to see morality lived out in Christians to see that there is a difference. We need to take a stand for certain things publicly that are correct, that are right, no matter what the world says. God says this is right, this is moral, this is a way to act. In verse 20, there are religious things talked about, idolatry and witchcraft. And some of you have not lived in places where there's idolatry, and we try and, we try and make it applicable here at home by saying, well, anything you put before God is an idol. Well, that's true, but I tell you one thing. There is also a big difference when you live in a country that's totally given over to idols and this hard suppression of Satan you can feel when you go into those temples and you see these idols that people are, are wasting their lives trying to appease, to try and get things from. And all they do is sit there, stand there. Eyes that cannot see, ears that cannot hear, lungs that have no breath in them. They cannot help their people at all. They pray to idols, which is totally, totally, totally a waste. 
And sometimes this world needs to see true God fleshed out in you that they can know what is right. So we need to be careful about our worship. We need to be careful about our devotion time, that we are giving time that we can become the spiritual victors that God wants us to be. In verse 20, it talks about emotionally, talking about hatred, variance, emulations, wrath. There, 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 are, some, there are some Christians, well, some of them I knew, they, they love the word, they love the verse where it says, be ye angry and sin not. You know what they say? That gives me, the, that gives me an, an inlet to get, to get angry. I can get angry as long as I don't sin at it. No, the thing is, it says, be ye angry and sin not. What it's talking about, there is anger that can build up, but you don't let it out. You don't, you don't take the anger that's in you and then lash it out on somebody. That's when it becomes sinful. Now, some people say, well, psychiatrists say, don't let it pin up inside of yourself. Get it out. Who wants, to, who wants to let out all this crud and anger and stuff that goes out? We should be careful that we have none of our actions that would cause someone to doubt God. And then socially, in verses 20 and 21, look at the social things. Christians, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. Is that not the year 2020 that we see and have? things that pollute our own identity. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. How can a Christian separate themselves from God's wonderful love by loving this world? What a tragedy. Especially when he saves it out of us, out of the world. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We should live... A separated life. In doing so, there's also some do's. Do you realize that living a separated life is not just a bunch of don'ts? There's also a bunch of do's. You live a separated life, a sanctified life. There are some things to do that to make it the kind of life that God wants for you. Let me read Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. This I say, then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh... And these are contrary. These are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led by this of the Spirit, you're not under the law. When you're led by the Spirit, God keeps you in the right way, and you don't have all those penalties and problems and things for going astray in that. And back to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. Let, let me read verse 22. The last part of it says, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That, that's what I would love to see in our church, that we, that we promote things flowing out of us that gender other people to want what we've got. 
to see the joy that's there, to see the meaning that's there, to see the pureness that's there, to see the charity, to see the peace that's there, that that is what they want. That's what should go through us. That is part of standards too. That which we separate to do so that we can glorify God. We should live by the Holy Spirit and by His fruit. Of course, we all know Galatians 22, uh, 5.22. Let me read those two verses, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. This is the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit has that fruit, and that Spirit works in us to produce that fruit. So therefore, we have the Holy Spirit helping us to be faithful, to be gentle, to be long-suffering, to have joy, to have peace. And the, and one, the last one it mentions is temperance. Now, temperance has as its regular meaning that we would just talk about it in general sense, means self-control. Uh, way back when they had the Women's Temperance Union, that was self-control. You didn't get drunk. You didn't drink alcohol and so forth. But really, this is temperance doesn't mean self-control. This is the Holy Spirit's fruit. So this is Holy Spirit temperance. That's different than your self-control. Why? Because the word self is in there. You will please self. If you try and have self-control, you're going to fall apart. So in this place where it says temperance, it's talking about Holy Spirit control. Holy Spirit should have control of our lives. The fruit that he produces should show forth through us because he has control of our lives. And we don't lose ourselves by doing our own temperance. Fill your heart and mind with good things. That's the other things to do. Watch good shows. Hear good music. Uh, read good books. Uh, there, there are some things. Well, Betty and I have been reading a lot of books lately. And uh, it's been taking up my time. And some of it's getting pretty discouraging. Um, they're, they're medical books. Um, it's amazing, once you get diagnosed with something, how interested you get in it. And we've seen videos, we've talked to people, we've read, I don't know, eight, nine, ten books. And the more we read, the scarier it is. The more we read, the more I hate that I read it. But there are some things that are Christians. We need to read those things that will produce the love, kindness, intelligence in us that we can show forth to other Jesus Christ. Thank you, Brother McCarty. What's the one thing we should read regularly? The Bible. And I have that to speak on too. Concentrate on those things which are good. Philippians 4, 8 and 9, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, we should do those things. And then meditate on Scripture. Psalm 119, 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to the word. We should have the Holy Spirit take his word and plant it deep in our heart to grow fruit that we have. And also in Psalm 1, first three verses, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit 
in, their se- in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. God. Add God's wonderful love of life to our life. Let me finish with a couple of verses here. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Listen to this. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against another, against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all this, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. We should, as a church, one body, when we sing praises to God, when we are in prayer, we are together as one in doing that. And I finish up with 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. And beside this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to your virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. The spiritual life of a Christian is very serious to God. We should live separated lives, separated from some things and separated to some things. And when we have our life in balance before God, we can be clean vessels that can see mighty, mighty, mighty wonderful things done through us. Okay, so that takes care of some of my hard preaching and skin you alive. Now, uh, one thing I didn't know when I was preaching when I was young, when you skin people alive preaching, you're supposed to also put in the healing salve of the Word of God. I didn't know that for 10, 15 years. Let me say this. With the church that we have, with the pastor and the deacons and the members that we have, we all should be in very good shape, become wonderful vessels of God, and separate unto those things that God wants us to be, and stay away from those things that we shouldn't be. And the healing of the Holy Spirit will be sweet balm. Let's pray.